so in this series, we are talking about how uh, we can be, um, in a sense, a road for the gospel. How believers are called to be a, a path, um, a thoroughfare for someone to know Christ. Uh, so, so this is titled Boulevard because we want to talk about how we can actually be, in a sense, a boulevard, a way for people to come into contact with Jesus. That's what we're talking about for these three weeks of this series. It's a series about evangelism. It's especially focused on those who already know Christ. Um, so um, if you're wondering a little bit like, be a boulevard for Jesus, that sounds like a pretty big deal and you Christians are weird. Um, that's an acceptable thing to feel <laughs> if uh, you may be new to this following Jesus thing. Um, but we're saying... You can be a way for someone else to come into contact with Jesus. Now, if you look at the word boulevard in the dictionary, in the uh, Oxford Dictionary, it has a certain connotation. It's a certain type of road, and it says this in the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, a wide street in a town or city. I'm reading it because from the Oxford. Thank you. A wide street in a town or city, uh, typically one lined with trees. Typically one lined with trees. Uh, notice the definition here says it's a wide street. We hope it's wide uh, because we want this, this boulevard to relationship with Jesus uh, to have plenty of room for our friends and our family and our neighbors, those we love, to have eternal fellowship with God. 1 John 1, 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. We want this to be a road that's filled with people who know and love Jesus just like we do, so the people that we know and love would have a relationship forever with Jesus. But, but, <laughs> this, the road that we're talking about, this road, isn't so much a tree-lined road, if we're honest about this road. Uh, this is the dictionary definition of what most of us conceive of a boulevard being <laughs> in our heads. There's this vision for a boulevard, and in my mind, it's got big old houses that have like craftsman furniture inside, and it's got that median in the middle with lovely trees, and then trees along the side as well. That, to me, is a boulevard. Uh, and, and the boulevard that we are called to walk on so that others can be with us in a relationship with Jesus. This Jesus Boulevard uh, requires walking a road that's a little different than our conceptions. It requires walking a road of sacrifice. It requires, in order for others to know Christ, walking a road of sacrifice. Let me say that again, just so you hear it. And it sinks in. In order for the streets of our lives to become a way for our friends and our family and our neighbors to know Jesus, it's going to mean letting the Holy Spirit come in with bulldozers and earth movers to root up trees that we think we're planting in our minds about our conceptions of our lives. Because, let's be real about this, we have a particular vision about what we're supposed to be living, what our roads are supposed to be like, what our life is supposed to feel like, and, and 
I've told you mine. I went big old houses that are 150 years old with old craftsman furniture in it with a middle median and people walking their dogs and their trees and their trees and their trees. And everybody knows each other because we went to school together 100 years ago from my family and their family, etc. That's what I want in my head. But I know, I know, that if I live my life here and now from that vision primarily, I will be on that road mostly by myself. And if, and if I want to have a neighborhood with my family and my friends and those I love with me, it's going to require some sacrifice that looks and feels different than my conceptions. That might be, that might be the process of the Holy Spirit coming in with bulldozers and earth movers to take your trees and to say, <laughs> trees? How about a whole forest that's beautiful in ways you can't possibly conceive of? Because that's what I want to do. If you don't care about others having a forever relationship with God, go on planting your own trees. In your own little garden on the side of the boulevard. But if you value the gospel and you love grace and you understand what you have in Jesus when you realize the sacrifice that God made and the extent to which he went, he became sin who knew no sin so that we would be righteous in him. If you value what Jesus has done for you and you understand grace, you will open your life to bulldozer Jesus. Because the process that this Christian life is, is allowing him to uproot our previous earthly dreams and burying them so that something better and more beautiful and more God-glorifying can emerge. This doesn't happen <laughs> without sacrifice. I would go so far as to say fruitfulness in the kingdom I'm going to use the word requires. Jesus coming in to crush earthly dreams. And if that's what it feels like then I think you're hearing me accurately. Now this sounds a little scary of course to us. Because we know what it means to say that our personal vision of tree-lined boulevards is now in someone else's hands. We know what life is like when our personal inward vision of our lives goes to someone else's hands. Pain, hurt, frustration, anger. But listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. Jump in with me here at 4.15 to 18. Because he's straight up about the sacrifice that it involves for the follower of Jesus. He's straight up about what the process looks like if we're going to become fruitful kingdom workers. He says this, 2 Corinthians 4.15-18, As grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other words, as we see more people experience God's grace, our joy and our thanksgiving increase. 
I don't think very many of us really believe that's true, but that's what Paul's saying here. (laughs) Not only does our joy and our thanksgiving increase and our understanding of what Christ done for us, but God himself is glorified in that process. As grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, verse 16, though that's hard, though that requires sacrifice, we do not lose heart, he says. Circle, underline, highlight, memorize. So we do not lose heart. In other words, it's going to hurt some to let Jesus come crush your earthly dreams. Duh. But we do not lose heart because of what God is doing. What only God can do. What God is doing is something far better than our personal vision of tree-lined boulevards. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. It's not just for others. It's our own sanctification. Verse 17, For this light momentary affliction, the suffering, the pain, the hard parts of life, the parts where I say, Yes, Lord, come and do away with my trees so that you can do something better. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul's like, you think your trees are pretty? You think your trees are pretty? If you want trees, have your trees. I'm making people who love me. That's what I grow. That's what I do in people's hearts. You can keep your trees, Paul says. God's got bigger plans. Light momentary afflictions preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, the inward work of the heart. For the things that are seen are transient. And we often hold on to them because we think there's something to be gained and security and trust there. But (laughs) that's not what he says here. The things that are seen are transient. They're going away. But the things that are unseen are eternal, he says. What you can't see yet is that God's plans for your joy. What you can't see yet is that God's plans for your joy are much more about you becoming a boulevard for his glory than you think. And they're actually even better than your plans. So, so Paul is saying, Corinthians, to whom he's writing, please learn to point the way to Jesus personally. As if you've got skin in the game. As if you're taking personally the mission for someone else to know Christ. Take it personally. Jump in at 5.16 and following. This is the process of learning to point the way personally. He says this, From now on, after having been spiritually reborn, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, uh, we regard him thus no longer. Paul is saying here, after Christ, after Christ's coming, his death, burial, and resurrection, after Jesus... You are either dead or you are alive. Okay? There are two categories of people in the world now. Dead or alive. History is divided by B.C. or A.D. So are people, he says. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. Those are the two categories. Dead, alive, not in Christ, in Christ. 
And that's the gist of the argument that Paul is making here. And then he says, now for those of you, he's talking to the Corinthians and also to us, uh, for those of you who are in Christ, your life now is about something different than it was before. When you were dead, it was about your tree-lined streets as the personal vision for your life. And he's saying, listen, listen, let that be dead. Because what I want to do through you for the sake of God's glory and for for the sake of others knowing Christ is something far greater than that. So because you're now in Christ, your life is now about helping others be in Christ. Keep reading verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. We were sinfully acting for self. Now we're sacrificially acting for Christ. Uh, We were sinfully acting for self. Now we're sacrificially acting for Christ. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone away. Behold, the new has come, meaning a new direction, a new purpose. All of this is from God. He did this. He initiated it. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And look at this. Because of that, because we are now reconciled to Christ, our new purpose is this new ministry of reconciliation. Paul is saying... Forget your tree-lined streets, please. Please, please, please. Your, your satisfaction and, and, and the glory of God and your personal pur- purpose are not wrapped up in building trees. The entire purpose of your life now has changed. Oh, you thought, you thought, <laughs> you thought following Jesus is going to mean you've got a tree-lined boulevard? Someone didn't preach the gospel to you. Someone didn't preach the gospel to you. Because the good news we now know comes at the expense of perfect, sinless, holy God of the universe giving up, Philippians 2, His right to say, with all of y'all, and yet He came. That's sacrifice. His ministry of reconciliation, by which we know Him, is now ours. That doesn't mean <laughs> that doesn't mean you can go die on the cross and someone else is saved because of it. Don't mistake what I'm saying. But it does mean you can point to the cross that does save them. And this is the new this is the new life. This is the new purpose. He's given us the ministry He had for us and said, "The ministry of reconciliation, take it on." So this entire purpose of our life is now different. And he's saying that we carry this message. Now, this message of reconciliation of being in Christ or not in Christ to the world. Keep reading verse 19. He says that is, in other words, to to demonstrate, to talk about more what this this ministry of reconciliation is. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, including us, not counting our trespasses against him or their trespasses trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So Jesus accomplished reconciliation for us and then gave us, he entrusted us, he said, you are now stewards of this same gospel message, gave us the same responsibility to minister reconciliation to others. If you, if you understand the weight of this, you will take that 
ministry of reconciliation personally. In a way that may cost you. In fact, if it's the actual gospel, in a way that should cost you. If you're doing life in a way that doesn't depend on a deep and abiding relationship with God in prayer and word from day to day, you're not doing something right. You're you're not understanding the weight and the responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation we've been giving. There's something about what Jesus achieved for us in giving us salvation that you are holding lightly, almost frivolously, I would say. So he's entrusted to us that same call to minister reconciliation to others. This is how strongly he means it. Look at verse 20. I'm not just being difficult. I'm just telling you what Paul says. Therefore, we are, and he calls us this, ambassadors for Christ. We're messengers, mediators of some type. God making his appeal through us. That's an unbelievably high calling. God's making his appeal through you, through us. If you don't have a vision of your participation in the body here at FCC as something that is about us taking this message of reconciliation to others, you are still working from tree-lined streets vision. He says God's making his appeal through us on behalf of Christ. Verse 20, he says, we implore you. It's like he's saying, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled uh, to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, which is a little bit confusing there. In other words, God made Christ to be sin for us, to take on the weight of sin, even though he was sinless. So that in him, verse 21, in Christ, there's that in Christ thing again, we might become the righteousness of of God. We were made righteous through the appeal of Christ to God the Father on our behalf. We were made righteous before God the Father because Christ said, I make an appeal to you, God the Father, based on my perfections, Jesus speaking, of course, based on my righteousness. My faithfulness to you counts. I appeal on behalf of them because they couldn't there's not much difference between that and someone who doesn't know Christ and appealing on their behalf and, and, and addressing them and having relationship with them and sacrificing self so that they would see the gospel in you there's, there's functionally no main difference here, at least how we perceive ourselves. So plain and simple, if you love Jesus, you will take his mission personally. Just as simply as I can say it. If you love Jesus and you recognize what he has done for you on the cross and he's given you salvation and righteousness you don't deserve and couldn't earn, if you love Jesus, you will take his mission personally. If you love Jesus, you will show it. If you love Jesus, you will give things away. 
If you love Jesus, you will use your home as a place of hospitality for the sake of others. If you love Jesus, you will read and treasure his words in your heart. If you love Jesus, you will tell others about him. If you love Jesus, friends, your whole life and all of its resources become a mission. So, I appeal to you, Christians, don't lose out on the joy available to you by giving in to the mission. I see this constantly. People deceived into believing, they continue to keep their joy for self by keeping for self. That's not actually how it works in the kingdom. It's actually the exact opposite of that in the kingdom. I'm not making it up. It's right here. Keep reading. 6-1. This is super cool here, by the way. Working together with him, that is, with God in Christ. There's a partnership here. Working together with him, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, don't receive the grace of God in vain by keeping it for self. Don't let it go to waste by hoarding it for self. Don't let your your bank account, your talent with an instrument, your love for teaching kids, uh, your willingness to coordinate treats for your life group, Uh, your leadership ability, your beautiful house, your days off from work, the extra vehicle you don't need, the, the lake house. Don't let those things go to waste by simply keeping them for you. Because then when you give those things away and those resources become, become ways and means and boulevards and thoroughfares for the grace of God to be extended to others, you experience that joy. And you can't if you're just going to go like this all day. You can't. Don't let the grace of God go to vain. Go, go to waste for self. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying you, you better get on it because, look at verse 2, moving a little ahead there, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. There will be a time when there's no more day of salvation when Jesus returns. So don't waste it now. And Paul's saying, listen, Corinthians, those listening to him and reading this for the first time, he's saying, I'm allowed to say this to you because I have done it as an example, as a minister of reconciliation, as someone who wants very passionately to not let the grace of God go to waste in your life and be vain in your life. And so he says this, we put no obstacle in anyone's way, because there are people who were thinking here in uh, in the context of Corinthians, uh, that Paul was a fake, that he wasn't doing it right, that he was trying to lead them down a road that he himself wasn't on. But he said, listen, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. He's saying, I'm not going to be the one who hesitates to point the way personally. Verse 4, but as servants of God, we commend uh, ourselves. We prove ourselves as those who don't let things go to waste in every Way. We commend ourselves in every way by pointing people to the gospel. And then he says this. This is a long part I'm going to read here, but let's read this whole thing here. Here are all the various ways 
that he points the way personally, that those who have followed that road with Jesus have pointed the way personally. It says this, in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us. You are restricted in your own affections. Unpack that this week. In return, he says, in return for the model of pointing the way personally that Paul has been for those who followed, in return, widen your hearts also, he says. Paul says, I've done my part. I've shown you what the gospel looks like. You've seen it in my life. This is the real deal. Now, friends, time's a-wasting, he says. So joyfully pour yourself out for others. Joyfully pour yourself into working with God to bring people to himself, thus finding the joy of the cross. You see, too many of us still believe the lie that holding on for self is the way we maintain joy. We have learned this deception from the world. Too many of us still believe the lie that holding on for self is the only trustworthy way to maintain joy. Paul says that's not how it works for those who follow Christ. For those who follow Christ, they know differently. They know that it is only in giving away that we find joy. It is only in sacrificing of self and finding ways to be a boulevard that we find joy. Once you know what grace is and you've experienced it and you have freedom from that, there is nothing more satisfying for the believer in Christ than seeing someone else experience that freedom and joy. And here's the thing. Here's why it's worth sacrificing for. This is how we learn to love Christ with greater passion. Because as we experience what he experienced for us, we love him with greater devotion and depth of passion. For the Christian who sacrifices of self for others so that they will have forever relationship with God, there is a joy and greater love for Christ. Let's pray, friends.